everyone. You're listening to Track, a podcast committed to examining and providing solutions for safety and occupational health in the workplace. My name is Holly. I'm a registered nurse and the host of Track. Whatever role you play, this show is all about providing you with new knowledge that can take your organization to the next level. Guys, I'm so excited for you to join us today. We're doing something a little bit different. We wanted to do somewhat of a round table to have a discussion. So I'll actually first let you guys introduce yourselves if you want to start, Tyler. Sure. Thanks, Holly. My name's uh, Tyler Wells. I work in our uh, client development here at Axiom and uh, looking forward to our talk today. Okay. And so you work directly with clients then? I do. Okay. Perfect. And you? Good morning, Holly. My name is Angela Smith. I am a nurse client liaison working directly with the clients to help with education and and that transition um, with the nurse case management. I have uh, 13 years ER, five years Auckland nursing experience. Great. Dara. Good morning, Holly. Good morning. My name is Dara Wheeler. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Axiom Medical. This is my 13th year at Axiom. And I could probably talk about 13 years worth of data about (laughs) occupational health. I'm really excited about it. So I'm sure that today is going to be a great conversation. Perfect. One of the subjects that obviously I'm in marketing, and so I'm always looking at content. And so one of the things that came to mind whenever I was looking at things was what do people what is a differentiator whenever they're looking at a service? I don't think there's any question as to the importance of, um, you know, support from a workplace injury standpoint. I think the the uh, National Safety Council mentioned that an injury occurs every six seconds. I'm sure you guys have seen that data as well. So obviously there's a need for a third party provider where that support comes in. But what doesn't exist, as I mentioned, was that there's not a lot of data that talks about what you should be looking for whenever you're the consumer. So kind of stepping out of our role as Axiom and putting yourselves in a consumer standpoint, what types of factors or what what types of qualities would you be looking for in a provider to kind of help you along in that journey? That's a great question, Holly. I actually listened to your last podcast with Dr. Cherry and the total worker health concept, like Scott said, has been around for a really long time, but it's it has a resurgence recently in a focus and so when you're looking to work with a provider in occupational health and medicine one of the things to look at is somebody that can provide that full that full worker health mindset and help partner with a company and look at not just an employee and when an injury occurs in an incident because that statistic is scary mm-hmm. there is there are still a lot of injuries occurring even though we've automated more and we've focused so much on safety in the U- US over the years there are still injuries occurring so focusing on total work- worker health and starting with the pre-employment stage of an employee's journey at a company is critical to maintaining that worker health so if you start with focusing on partnering with a company that can look at the pre-employment stage and all the way through the life of that employee at the company that's I think a really important thing to focus on when you when you're partnering with an organization sure so definitely a partner what's your thoughts I think from the nursing standpoint um, if you're looking to partner with someone you want to make sure that their nurses are qualified that there are ends that they're full-time employees of the company that you're um, looking into um, that they're available 24 7 sure. because we have people that work 24 yeah. 7 um, so things like that, making sure that they're licensed in all 50 states so that you can cover the entire U.S., mm-hmm. um, things like that. Uh, making sure that they're trained in OSHA uh, as well as drug and alcohol training and the other types of um, 
fit testing and annual testing mm-hmm. that they'll need through that work life. Yeah. Well, and also having a background maybe that understands definitely the trauma piece, you know, mm-hmm. so the ER and being Absolutely. able to, to triage them appropriately, make some of those initial decisions is, is extremely important to also kind of pair that with the case management side. Yes. Yeah. Tyler, did you have something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I, I think when you're going out to look for this type of service, it can be a bit overwhelming as far as <laughs> you're right. the, the types of companies, what services they provide and all that. So I think one of the key things you really want to consider is who, who really wants to partner with you, who's mm-hmm. going to integrate with you, how your workflow goes in your business, what everybody's roles are, their medical knowledge or lack thereof, and who's really going to sit down and say, okay, how are you guys working today? Mm-hmm where can we use the help and then how can we work together to not only you know add to what you're doing but to improve it you know improve safety of the employees Mm -hmm. and really it comes down to employee satisfaction at that point Mm -hmm. as well absolutely i I think i think that's that's a key thing to consider is not just Mm -hmm. commoditize it and worry about like okay they can do this for us it's to say who can really from like dara mentioned from the beginning to the end who can really help well, and she brought up a great point as well that, you know, not all not all providers actually cover the entire life cycle. You know, some are just focused specifically on injuries. But as you mentioned before, someone that can actually help you from the very beginning with employees throughout the, all of that testing, go throughout the injuries and then even exit testing, you know, some of the things that go along with that. Exit testing is kind of an interesting subject. I don't know if you, if you guys want to make me add to that, but you know, can maybe speak to the importance of exit testing that comes along with that? Yeah, part of the, the focus for an organization, if you're partnering to look at total worker health, is not just looking at it when they're an employee, but there are a lot of exposures that you want to make sure an employee stays healthy throughout their life after they leave the company. Mm-hmm. So for example, a, a critical one that has come up over the years is asbestos because asbestos is something that as as an exposure, you wanna make sure an employee, after they've left employment, maintains their ability to have a a healthy lifestyle. So you will continue to test for the asbestos exposure post-employment. And that is something that from a risk management standpoint is important. But as Tyler was mentioning, the cultural aspect of making sure you're taking care of people is also important. Mm -hmm. The more you take care of your employees, the the cultural piece of them wanting to be at work productive happy continues to improve over time Mm -hmm. so while injury rates are still increasing or or maintaining levels that they've been at if you can impact employees lives from not just the incident and throughout that life of the employee but continue to support them Mm post-employment an employee will become not just a, a supporter of your company but will also become an advocate for your corporation sure. as well. And that is, is goodwill mm-hmm. that you don't put a number on necessarily. Mm-hmm. It is that cultural aspect, the, the group of the society and the location of your corporation. If you are able to impact employees in that manner, you'll able to have a great impact on, on the location and society that you're working in. Well, and from a risk management standpoint as well, I think that any time that you're looking at those things from the very beginning and then you're going throughout the employment, then obviously at the end of the, the employment period, whenever you've had a good handle on what's going on, then you don't have as many risk factors in the very end. Yeah, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the history of occupational health, this has been an industry that's relatively new in the last 20 to 30 years. And I know we've seen major shifts in that industry more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, you had workers' compensation insurance 
managing cases and working on this focus of employee health, over time you had an outsourced solution such as Axiom, but other companies as well. And they had a, two different types of, of a model. There was the Axiom model, which was a, a third-party model that maintained some neutrality in the relationship and supported the employee and the employer throughout the relationship. A lot of other companies that ended up in this, this field, for whatever reason, ended up tied directly to insurance companies. So the history of the industry is, is very interesting and, and where it diverged. Mm-hmm. So you guys mentioned, first of all, the partnership piece. So And then the second was the, the, um, the difference between maybe a third party and somebody that's tied with an insurance or, or a TPA carrier. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. And I think that's where one of the things as, as the consumer, as the person going out to the marketplace to look for these services is to keep in mind the conflicts of interest. You know, mm-hmm. like Dara mentioned, the neutrality standpoint. Um, if you have a company that's interested solely in the well-being of, of the employee with a mind toward OSHA and all those other aspects, that's a lot different than somebody who's handling the process from beginning to end and mm-hmm. has something vested on both ends of the process. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's another key factor that people want to be aware of when they go out and they look just to see, okay, w- what's their motivation, what's their role, and what, what are they really trying to accomplish? And then additionally, one thing that I've seen over over the over my time has been um, how much control do they really have either once it goes a great in point. Yeah. A, a beginning to end process, whether it's safety or it's risk within the company, those, those key players, sometimes it gets fed into that machine and then it's, it's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times having that compartmentalized is really a key thing you know, in that process to make sure that everybody's being served correctly. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, yeah well, that's a great point. And in the U.S. with the insurance model, both on the personal and the workers' comp side, I think you see a greater focus on the control aspect mm-hmm. because we've lost some control over that process and the costs associated with it. So it, direct primary care and some of these other things that are coming up on the personal health side are, are very similar to the workers' comp side in that the more you can do to keep the big things big in the insurance mm-hmm. side. That's what insurance is there for. Right. But the more you can do to keep the small things small and focus on uh, the the immediate intervention, either on the personal or work-related side, the better the outcomes for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, speaking from a medical perspective, you know, one thing that, that stuck out to me in this industry coming into it was that there's a, there's a big difference between the individualized care and something that follows, you know, some of these logarithms that come mm-hmm. along with this, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that, keeps, that plays a key factor in, in some of the outcomes that come along with right. that. We find that, um, and, and, and what we've been um, faced with is that when you have a partner that is going to get the best medical treatment for your employees at the time of injury as quickly as possible, then you're able to um, keep it from escalating to something and giving them the, the appropriate level of care and keeping it at that point. Right. And then back to the TPA part I just wanted to bring up in the nursing side, um, sometimes we found that when a company relies solely on the insurance side to handle that, um, there's a lag in time sure. between the injury of that employee and when that case manager has been assigned. And then, depending on their caseload, when they contacted that employee or made the you know appropriate appointments for them to be followed up with. So there's a big lag there um, that that partnership can cover right. for you. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, they have a pretty significant caseload, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a big difference there. When you worked at occupational health, did you have a, a pretty big caseload? Uh, yeah, but I didn't do directly with the insurance side. Yeah. I dealt more with in-house. Um, so I dealt with our stuff, and we too tried to keep it at the appropriate level mm -hmm. of care sure. always. Um, but putting the employee first, whatever that employee needed. Um, we got them, mm -hmm. uh, but we needed to, you know, keep it where it needs to be and not escalating something that doesn't need to be escalated or not keeping something back that should be escalated. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go ahead and just bring up a controversial subject, and I mean, that's the issue of price. You know, I think that that comes up in any conversation whenever you're looking at a new service, but, you know, where where should people's attention be in that yeah, discussion? Yeah, I, I think that's a key thing that a lot, you know, Everybody's got a budget. They've got sure. things they got to worry about. Every department has their own specific budget. And year end, you're looking at how things worked out. Beginning of the year, you're forecasting for the next year. So, um, I, I think specifically with you know work-related injuries, it can be a tough thing to gauge. You know, what is that going to cost? Because there's the upfront cost for care if you're using a third-party triage service, whoever it may be. But additionally, you have to think about those back-end costs. So if it does go to a clinic, mm -hmm. um, if it you know does turn into a workers' comp claim. If it doesn't, you know, it will impact the premiums that you're going to pay for those, or it will impact you if you're self-insured. Um, days lost, you know, mm -hmm. temporary staff brought in to cover that employee while they're out. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention, you know, if they're having a manager or supervisor take them to the clinic for multiple mm -hmm. visits and those sorts of things. So I think getting more people in the room, especially internally, is a good idea. You know, even ahead of time before you go out to market and go shopping to say, okay, what are some of the key things we're doing here? Um, mm -hmm. How, what are our numbers look like and can we really look at it and again getting back to the partnership that we talked about earlier is talking with that vendor and saying hey this is what we're looking at can you tell us how these numbers would impact everything mm -hmm. not just our upfront costs for the triage service or for the case management but overall how would it impact these other things and then that will inevitably lead to bringing other people into the room because now you have other key players in your organization are going to want to know because if they can drop their budgets, they're certainly going to want to be in on that conversation. That's a great point. So I think what I'm hearing you say is then that it's more of a discussion of value more so than, than price Absolutely. that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to your point, when you're working with clients and you're looking at budget line items, historically, and you can probably jump in, you're, if you're working just with safety or with risk, you're looking at a cost associated with a service versus at an organizational level, being able to understand the true value of a service. For sure. And then and then having faith, you know, um, to Angela's point earlier about training and being minded toward OSHA and those sorts mm -hmm. of things. Um, I've been I've been stunned quite honestly sometimes when you dig a little bit deeper into some how companies run, especially when you look at the, the TPA through the workers comp mm -hmm. insurance model is, you know, do they know really anything about OSHA? Is that a concern of theirs? Because that obviously is a concern of the safety guy. Mm -hmm. So when they, when you bring on a service, if safety has a relatively small budget and then you're looking to bring in a service where there's going to be more upfront cost, suddenly you've blown that budget out of the water. And so then it's going to be, you need to have that conversation to say, well, what are we impacting on the backside to make up for that? Right. And could those could that return on investment be, you know, three, four times as much? Mm -hmm. But you're looking at strictly the safety up front, you know, and then you're not looking at the overall picture. So it's understanding how it impacts not only the employee at the time of injury, but then 
all the way to the end of the process. What did that event, what did that incident really cost the company? Right. And then that's where those, it, the eye-opening, looking at data, you're like, oh, wow, that really is a big difference. Sure. Well, this type of partnership just affects so many areas of the company, not just safety, not just risk, not just HR for pre-employments, you know, our exit, our, you know. So I think everybody needs to kind of be in on the conversation because it's not one department's budget that is affected uh, by the value of having this type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, back to the whole OSHA and Jones Act or whatever, whatever the concerns of your specific company may be, mm-hmm. um, the people that are in other departments that whose budget budgets are going to be affected, they might not even be aware of it. Mm-hmm. So to get those conversations right. out early and say, mm-hmm. hey, this is what's important to us. And we need a provider who's going to understand that and and work our cases to that. So back to your piece about data, I think when you're when you're looking at a partner, and you're looking at the relationship between a TPA or an incident case management company and and that partnership. Your piece about data and integration, I think, is critical as well. As mm-hmm. you said, working with somebody to understand how they can improve your process internally, but those key areas of data to understand the outcome. Mm-hmm. And back to your point. If you have a line item price, and that's something that is is something that you're obviously budgeting for, but without the understanding of how data is coming through, the impact, the overall impact to the organization, it's an important piece that if you're partnering with a company, you need to be having those conversations. To a safety personnel, to risk, there's really great predictive data that can help model and help improve the overall health of mm-hmm. the individual and, and impact that number you talked about. With the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and all of these injuries still maintaining a rate that is consistent over time, in order to impact that, you have to take a different approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that that approach needs to include data and integrations to mm-hmm. understand how you can truly impact the life of an individual, but also the corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important, whatever company that that you're looking at to partner with, that they're going to be able to give you that data to help you make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, just to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, let me just kind of talk about breast practice. You know, obviously, you know, from a medical background, that's that's where my my focus tends to go. But Angela, explain for us maybe kind of what best practice is in terms of being able to, whenever an injury occurs, what does that look like? Where where you're, you're drilling down into what's actually occurring. I mean, are you speaking directly? Is a nurse speaking with an individual employee? And how does that, that process flow? How, do, how are those decisions made? Well, the nurse needs to be able to speak directly with the employee, not only to uh, find out the mechanism of injury that's really important to the company so that they can handle from the risk management, but also to know what type of injury occurred and, and, and the extent of that injury. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, using her best practice guidelines um, that are established, it, it gives her a direction of where this injury treatment needs to go. Does it need to stay first aid? Is it appropriate to stay first aid? Mm-hmm. Is it appropriate to go into a clinic, an Ahmed clinic? Um, how's it gonna affect his ability to return to work? those kind of things and using those guidelines gives a structure for every nurse and because every nurse uses the same guidelines we're consistent with our medical treatment and care for all of the employees and putting the employee because that was our best that's our main goal is to put the employee first their health is first making sure that they're taken care of and and 
done consistently with regardless of which nurse you're faced with sure so when either the the nurse is speaking with the employee then but having that immediate intervention that's really what can make the, the significant difference in some of those outcomes correct? oh yes the sooner the better yes the sooner the better because you know um, late reporting is is a, a big problem and it usually um, consistently leads to uh, more OSHA recordings and more lost time mm -hmm. so it's very important that you know that the cases and the injuries are reported immediately so that we can start taking care of it as soon as possible to um, prevent that from happening if we can. And as an actual partner, that person should be, or that provider should be able to provide you with that data as well, that feedback data. Oh, absolutely. So about what's going on with that, because I've seen that, that that's not always the case in, mm -hmm. in different service lines. I think that's a that's a key part of it too, is, you know, is your partner in, in this, you know, adventure of really trying to get your safety culture under control and manageable from both the employee satisfaction side, like I said, to budget concerns and all that is, data you know like Dara mentioned that I mentioned that you know that's the world we live in you know a lot of spreadsheets floating around and, and looking through data but you know tracking the late reporting is a big deal and it, it's it's pretty astounding when you look at some of the numbers of okay so if that injury is reported one day you know eight hours two days whatever it be anything outside of the golden hour as we call it um, it can be stunning those outcomes how much worse they can be mm -hmm. and then of course not only with the injured employee being out of work, but then clinic costs to the employee and workers' comp hits and all that stuff. You know, not to mention the employee satisfaction piece. That's a huge thing when, you know, I speak with HR departments is really like, you know, we want to retain our employees. We're spending a lot of money training them. And so if they don't feel like they're being taken care of or they're lost in the system, they're not getting that mm -hmm. world-class, you know, attention they deserve, they're going to leave. You know, mm -hmm. so not only did you have possibly a recordable, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. not only do you have a very expensive claim on your hands, that employee might take off. Mm -hmm. And now you're back in the cycle again of having to rehire and train. And so I think finding a partner who's not only embraces data, but proactively shares it with you and is not afraid to come to you and say, hey, we've got some problems here with these specific that's divisions, point, yeah. those yeah. sorts of things. That that's really is a value add to you as the consumer when you're looking for that is to know that, okay, well, I know if there's some things that are pinging the radar, I don't need to go figure it out. My partner is gonna come mm -hmm. to me and say, hey, looking pretty good but we got these couple trouble spots and that that's I mean it's hard to put a number on that yeah I was gonna say one of the, the best practice components from an account management standpoint that, that Tyler works closely with is the education piece mm -hmm. what we found is that the way we impact things like late reporting and the way that you are reporting these types of injuries is that your partner needs to be educating the employees about why, mm -hmm. why they're reporting. Right. Because if you create a culture of fear or mm -hmm. concern around injuries, what tends to happen is employees then are reluctant to call in an injury. Mm -hmm. And you often hear, especially partnering with new clients, that their, their employees are saying, well, why should I call this paper cut in? It's mm -hmm. silly, this is ridiculous. And even on the nursing side, you'll hear that sometimes. But that education component is critical to the success because a nurse, the account manager, and everybody working with, with your provider should be explaining about why that report is so important from the impact later on. So that small paper cut 
could turn into something more significant because an employee is diabetic or there's an underlying concern. So from a best practice standpoint, educating at all levels is is very important. So when you work with a provider, make sure that you're asking about the education process, how the nurses spend time educating. And I know both Holly and Angela know this from an occupational health standpoint, part of your job as a case manager is education. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we've spoken about value. We've spoken about partnerships. We've spoken about um, conflicts of interest. We've spoken about you know data sharing. We've spoken about best practice. You know what? What have we missed? Anything else that we've missed? <laughs> Let me look at my notes, Holly. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else? So you know about value price. I think you've hit all the one into the other. Topics. Yes. We could probably talk for hours. We could. I think we a could. lot of yeah. it is trust. I sure. think that you need to trust who you're partnering with. And and um, I think that that company needs to show you the value that they're adding to you, but they've got to be able to believe in you. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to have that history and that, you know, the record keeping that you already have and, and be able to prove, you know, that you can have their trust to take care of their employees and to take care of them well and to provide to them the information they need to also take care of their employees. That's a great point. I, I think uh, one final thing I would say that, that I've observed and, you know, wherever you, when you go out to market and you're looking at these services and whether it's the full employee life journey as we describe it or it's just a la carte services that you're picking up is, um, and I know Daryl will certainly agree, is the commitment. You know, like you really need to be committed to it. You know, if your company is going to be investing in providing these services, commit to it, coach your people to it, have your trainers, you know, train the new hires to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know here at Axiom we have the materials that we can provide, but, you know, whatever it is, if it's a passive culture, it's never going to work. You're never going to see that return on investment. You may mm-hmm. be able to keep some small things small, but overall, if they're not thinking, yeah, I need to call in that paper cut. That's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you're going to have something go sideways on you, and it's going to turn into a large claim or a, a, a lot of drama at least. And um, so that that would be my one piece of advice for anybody listening would be to you know just commit to your thing. You know, make sure all of your supervisor safeties, everybody across the board is is committed to this is the way we do things. To the change, yeah, yeah. I think. Right. To both your points, if you're committing to this, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So you need to be willing to make a change and care about your employees in that way. Um, I also think that internally at Axiom, that learning <coughs> culture is critical too. Mm-hmm. To your point, having uh, learning management systems and continuously reinforcing learning and best practice and getting better at improving will will lead to the right outcomes sure. if, if you do have the right program in place, the right mm-hmm. people on board, and, and from the top down, from your executives down, everybody's supporting that that change towards making something better. You guys have all brought great points to the table, and I really appreciate your your input. I know that the listeners will as well. Um, like I said, the, I thought that this was a, a topic that there's not a lot of content around, but I think that's definitely something we're discussing. Yep. Thank you, Holly. All right. yeah, thank you. Thanks, thank you. Holly. All right. If you'd like to improve your own occupational health program, we invite you to contact Axiom Medical at 877-502-9466 or visit our website, axiomllc.com.